0: One in six boys will be a victim of sexual abuse before the age of 18. This is an uncomfortable topic, and it's incredibly important. We urge you to take care of yourself, and if you're able to, please listen to the wisdom and experience of our guest.
1: Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground. Believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live.
0: This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net welcome we love our listeners thank you for being here and we also appreciate you so much supporting our sponsors whether you're hearing this in real time or after the fact be sure to check out the executive function online summit this is a wealth of information 30 leading experts from around the globe are helping you learn how you can support your son. If he struggles with homework, with organization, with resistance, we hear this all the time from our listeners, executive function may be what you need to know more about so that you can help him. Go to boysalive.com TEFOS. That's the Executive Function Online Summit you'll find registration information and access to all of the recordings and videos. Seth Perler is the host. We've had him on the podcast. He knows what he's talking about. The Executive Function Online Summit, boysalive.com T-E-F-O-S.
2: Back off, I yelled. Then I punched him but only in my imagination. My voice was trapped at the back of my throat. I couldn't move.
1: That is Court Stroud. And those lines are from his award-winning article, after 50 years of sexual assault shame, I'm finally reclaiming my voice. This episode might be a bit tough to listen to. If you have experienced sexual abuse and you feel like you need to step away right now, go for it. Take care of yourself. Turn this off. If you need help or support, please reach out to us. We will do our best to connect you with people who can help you, and we will support you as we can. As uncomfortable as this topic can be, though, it is incredibly important. One in six boys will be a victim of sexual abuse before the age of 18. It's one in four for men in their lifetime. Many, including Court, don't disclose the abuse until years later. He's joining us today for this important and overdue discussion. Welcome, Court.
2: Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. And thank you too, Janet. It's um it it's it's a it's an honor to be here, and I will confess I'm already getting a little emotional just hearing you hearing you read that. But I appreciate that you you had a trigger warning for those who may not be comfortable hearing this kind of a conversation.
1: We're going to get into our topic, but before we do, I want you to take a moment and just tell our listeners about you and who you are today, because yes, this happened in your life, but this is not the sum total of who you are.
2: No, um, thank you. So I am a longtime television and media executive. Um, I'm a graduate. I'm an MBA graduate of the Harvard Business School. I... Studied journalism as an undergraduate in Spanish literature. I've spent a lot of my time working in the Spanish language media market. I'm an adjunct at Columbia and NYU. So there's a lot about me that beyond this story. But this is a story that I wasn't comfortable talking about, even with some of the people closest to me, really until about four years ago. And there are parts of it that no one knew until four years ago i started to write this piece four years ago
1: okay. and
2: and it was too it was too much emotionally for me and as i was writing because it's a series of it's a series of incidents it's not just one thing
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I needed to put it aside so i put it aside and then i guess it was uh, spring of 2021 april's uh, sexual assault awareness month and mm-hmm. so it was a little bit before the beginning of the month, I thought, I- I'm strong enough, I can handle this now. Let me pull it out. Let me let me go through this. Let, and I, I'm fortunate that I have a great writing group and it's very loving and supportive. So I was able to share it there and uh, share. And my husband's actually in the writing group. So he, he had seen parts of it before, but we had talked about this you know several years before. And then I sent the piece out and was kind of shocked and surprised. That the folks at Newsweek were interested in publishing it mm-hmm. as part of their their my turn.
1: So wow. I will definitely put a link in the show notes, and I encourage you all to read it. Uh, the reason why this article was on my radar to start with is Court and I are both members of the American Society of Journalists and Authors, and his article was recognized this year as one of our award winners. It won the uh, 2022 Arlene award for articles that make a difference. And as I shared with him in the hallway at the conference, to me, this is like the most prestigious article award because what more can we ask for than an article that helps change the world and touch other lives? And when we were talking in that hallway, you know, you mentioned a minute ago, this article, it mentions at least by my count, at least eight incidents of sexual assault going all the way back to childhood back to at least age six. And when we talked at the conference, you shared that you just recently had the conversation with your mother about some of this.
2: Oh yeah, I, I didn't tell my my, my the, some of the people that were closest to me until the award came out. I mm-hmm. felt a little like I could hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So I had a panic attack and I thought I had had panic attacks before, but when the article came out, I really had a panic attack. Like I was thought, Oh my God, I'm having a heart attack and then realized that's kind of a classic symptom of having a panic attack. And so then it just, I just sort of didn't do anything and I didn't share it with my mom and and, and some of my closest relatives. But when the award came out, it was a, an opportunity to get to be braver mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I was, I thought I was going to be very like, you know, business-like on this call. And I think it's going to be hard for me to be business-like.
1: No apologies. Right. Take the time you need. And I know it's difficult. It's difficult to be vulnerable. You know, this is my guess, part of why you had a panic attack when this article hit the world, (laughs) because suddenly like all this shit that I've been trying to hide everybody, like you can Google me and, oh my God, it's there. Um, but there is also power in letting people see and hear. This still affects you.
2: Oh, uh, absolutely, it still affects me. And there is, but you're exactly right. We're only as sick as our secrets. And the more oh. transparently that I'm able to live, the healthier I'm able to be. You know, in in, in terms of my 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 own w- mental well being. So when I got the award, <laughs> I was shocked, honestly. Um, I sent it in and I thought there's absolutely no way that they're gonna anyway. I I, I was shocked. So when I got the call, I was like, oh my gosh.
0: Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> and and uh oh, like I can't hide. There was a le- yeah. there's levels of hiding, and I thought I'm gonna have to not hide a little bit more. And sure. so when it came out, I hadn't told my mom and, and and some of my closest relatives. And the next day I thought, you can hide this from them, but you're hiding the good parts of your life. And do you really want to do that? Do you? So I wanted to share my joy, but in sharing my joy, it also meant sharing this piece that included a, a lot of painful things. And um, everybody was great. The, the the terror that they were going to reject me, or you know, that was all in my head. The mm-hmm. shame was leading me to believe. And I and I will be honest, like Jennifer, when you spoke to me at, at the conference, it meant so much to me because I was still feeling a lot of shame, and I was feeling very raw. And this show that you were kind to me meant a lot because I kind of just wanted to be the specter that walked around that didn't talk to anybody and didn't kind of know. But they they'd asked at some point, you know, is there an award winner in the house? And I raised my hand. And at that particular gathering, I was the only one. And I felt very exposed when they said, and here's, you know, the name of the, the article. And I was like, oh, gosh. oh. Um, so when you spoke to me, Jennifer, it was really helpful. I had just told, I think my mom three days before, something like so. that. And, and of course she was devastated, but it, it, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to be braver. I didn't post it on social media. And then I, I have a pretty large following on LinkedIn. And I last year I was like, heck no, I'm not going to post it there. But I realized that was another opportunity to be brave. And and I think rationally, if you'd asked me, I, w- I knew people would be kind But there's still a lot of fear and Mm -hmm. people were very very kind and i i i I felt like after i'd posted it i thought i've ruined my life i've ruined my life that all these people know some of my darkest secrets but a number of people wrote things like how many people are you going to help because they've gotten to see this and re and and people who may know me I I was one time teaching a class and at the the event of the semester evaluation the uh, one of the women wrote court is the happiest fellow in the world I was actually going through a really tough time right then and I realized that that's an opportunity to be more authentic that may, yes maybe in the classroom I needed to present that part of me mm-hmm. but there's We all have lots, we're all icebergs. We all have lots of things that we don't show Mm -hmm. coworkers. And it was an opportunity to say, here's a little bit more about me that you didn't know. And maybe that'll give you the permission to feel like you can reveal a little bit more of what's in your life. Because if we get to talk more about um, sexual assault, and and I think we need to talk about it more for women, uh, for non-binary folks, but also for men, because there's an additional maybe I shouldn't say it's an additional stigma, but, but sometimes we men don't want to talk about it because we feel like we should have done something to stop it.
1: I feel like there is an additional stigma and I've heard this from, from other guys too, but we're all growing up in this culture that, you know, well, if you're a guy, certainly you can keep this from happening to you. You know, you're stronger, you're whatever. So if you didn't, What you know, there's something wrong with you, you're deficient somehow, and it's not true. But this cultural narrative is there, and then you add in this cultural narrative that guys are supposed to want sex all the time. And then the fact that even when we do finally talk about sexual abuse and harassment, our focus is often on women and girls. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need to talk about that too, but we have to make sure that we are making space and including everybody in this conversation boys girls men
0: women non-binary gay straight all on the spectrum and i just was thinking about you as that six-year-old boy and this idea of oh you should have been able to do something about it and no you know just simply no no
2: no No. six-year-old no and one of the things that was freeing for me in writing about it and i think that's one of the beauty About that's some of the beauty about art. Through art, we can process our feelings. I I had, as I when the first time when I started writing it four years ago, I actually was just writing about the incident in the subway. For your listeners who haven't read it, I was in a very packed subway and was groped and couldn't move. And in my imagination, was punching the guy and screaming, but I couldn't move. I I didn't talk about that literally for twenty years. I wrote a piece of fiction. And I showed it to a friend. And she said, Court, this is you, isn't it? And I mm. said, uh, you can tell? She's like, Oh, yeah. And I still didn't talk about it. My husband and I had been married for, I don't know, many years. And I had never told him about that time, because I felt this overwhelming shame, like, I let somebody touch me in a subway. And I was an adult, like I was you know around 30. But as I wrote the article, it started, it was like an onion, peeling it back, remembering more, remembering more, remembering more. It, it helped me in the research I did to understand that re-victimization means that sometimes people who have experienced, and I'm certainly not an expert and don't claim to be. I just researched for this piece that sometimes we folks who have had um, incidences in childhood don't make the wisest choices in part because we think that we deserve deserve the assault
1: you know i think there's a couple other layers there and again not an expert so i'm going to put that caveat out there um depending on your experiences as a child i mean sometimes things happen and when you're a kid you accept a lot of things as well this must be okay because nobody's telling me it's not so maybe Mm. this is normal maybe this is how people treat each other supposed to trust adults Yeah. 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 And then you also pointed out in that Newsweek piece, and this is a part that has helped me personally, that the stress response, it's not just fight or flight, it's fight, flight, or freeze. freeze. And in reading that, I didn't have a subway experience. I'm not even relating this to a sexual assault experience, but there are times I do that in my life. And I realized that it is in some ways a trauma response. It's a thing that may have kept us safe as children. You know, you just, I mean, if you're six years old, you can't fight back. So you just kind of freeze.
2: Just Mm kind of freeze.
1: And so there's, there's a lot here and sharing this, I hope helps all of our listeners have compassion for themselves, have compassion for those they know. This is incredibly, sadly common.
0: I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son Tyler had so much fun
1: mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing, and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight.
0: And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go
1: to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys. 20% off for being an onboys listener.
2: Yes, and maybe if we talk about it, we can prevent it from yeah. happening. Yeah. One of the things as I was doing the research, uh, I was reading uh, uh, that for the longest time, many places would have, as a condition of uh, a person, particularly women, ac- accusing someone of rape, that they would ask, "Well, did you fight? Did you fight? Did you fight him off? Fight him off?" Mm. And if somebody had gone into to freeze, or sometimes they call it fawn that that would be used against the accuser uh, saying, well, you didn't fight off the rapist. So obviously you were enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just not fair.
1: Somehow it seems like that's something that we need to mention in our talking with our children, in our talking about just generally sexual education and sexual relationships and relationships in general, because we Maybe I'm guessing I'm trying. you know maybe this is part of how we can make it safer for our kids to come to us and and let us know if something has happened.
2: That there's no shame in freezing because it's a I mean it, it's a it's an involuntary reflex. Uh, again, I'm not an expert, but it made me stop beating myself up for something because I thought I was a coward for 20 years. right I, I was I was coping the way my body chose. My body chose to freeze, and then the moment that there was a chance to get to safety, I took it. So then there, then, then flight took over. Right. But, and one of the things that I don't really mention this in the um in the piece is there there were some men laughing behind me. Mm. And and I look back and I think, I don't think it, it's very possible. They absolutely had no idea what was going on with the grouping, but the laughter behind me. At the time, I assumed they could see and they were laughing at me. So it brought up a whole lot of internalized shame and oh, internalized yeah. homophobia. And, uh, and I, I, I was like, oh, you know, everybody's laughing at the. I felt this incredible shame. And, and writing this piece has also helped me realize they were probably laughing at something that had nothing to yeah. do with what, what I thought they were laughing at. You
1: yeah. mentioned the homophobia, which is another huge layer of stigma that we have to talk about because this is our country, we have made progress, but there is also that other layer, which you know, we, we look at uh, things that have happened within the Catholic church, within the Boy Scouts, where you have older males taking advantage of young boys and that's hard for all the reasons. And then this is happening in a culture of homophobia and it gets incredibly difficult to talk about i mean if if i say is somebody gonna think i'm gay which we need to tackle the homophobia but talk about layers
2: yeah there's a lot there's a lot to that there are uh, same-sex abusers that don't identify as lgbtq uh it's 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 about again i'm not an expert but my understanding is there's a lot of it it's about power about power and so one of the things is i i think as a society we get to start questioning folks. And, you know, I'm just really for myself personally, maybe that's where I should take it is I'm trying to to live the most transparent life possible. And I think as society, the more transparent we are, um, I I teach a a pre-college class at at Columbia. And one of the things is I love that they do this training. And one of the things that they tell is um, that secrets um, are a real problem and that that healthy adults don't ever ask children to keep secrets. And I think that that as a society, we get to do that too. Let's not ever ask children to keep secrets um, because as a healthy society, doesn't need those kinds of secrets.
0: So speaking of children, and I'm thinking of our listeners that are living this emotional experience with you and are raising children and how do we keep our children safe how i mean it's this conversation that jen and i often have of how much do you talk about your it's the whole pregnancy discussion right if we don't talk about getting pregnant we don't have to talk about sex and all that but but with our especially with our boys how do we communicate with them at a six-year-old level at an eight-year-old level what do you wish the adults in your life would have been able to say you know if we could rewrite history what would have been helpful and different for parents raising young children?
2: Uh, there's there's a lot to that question and mm. and i I'm not an expert, so I'm gonna just limit my response to to what I know.
0: Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. i I do know from a little bit of the training there was there was a woman who was a former DA who did the the training on protecting minors that I went through. And one of the things I appreciate is that she had taught her uh, from the beginning of like two or three years old, her, her children, that an adult shouldn't ask you to keep a secret. Ever. and she tells this really funny story but it's it's of her little girl was in kindergarten and the teacher said I'm, I'm going to share a secret with all of you and her daughter stood up and said you're not supposed to ask me to keep secrets my mom said you're bad you know and it would begin this whole thing and 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 the, the poor kindergarten teacher's like I've I've just said this every year for you know but the idea is 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 that maybe as a society if we can ask she's like not to we're
1: making Mother's Day gifts. That's all it is.
2: <laughs> it was something as innocuous as that, and the poor teacher was like, "I've done this every year for 25 years. I've never had a problem." But, but the idea of being sensitive about secrets. I um the the, mm-hmm. the question that that you asked, uh, Janet, and for the listeners who 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 can't see is I uh, why I got really upset um, when you asked like, "What could the adults in my life have done differently?" And and the reason I became upset is my mom and and um my birth father divorced uh so she didn't know about this i didn't talk about it she did the absolute best she could mm-hmm. and 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 i say that because just in case she ever hears this this show that i know she did the best she could to protect mm-hmm. us and you you a parent a loving parent a healthy a loving parent can't be everywhere at every time right. But the world has changed a lot in the 50 years since I was, I'm almost, I'm, almost, I'm not quite 56, but I've in the 50 years since then. And I think we have a lot healthier attitude about talking about sexual things. I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist family. We just didn't talk about anything that had to do with, with sex. And I think my mom was trying to be as, as um, progressive as she, she was able, but So I could just say in my life, what I would have liked differently. I wish that I had been able to have gone into therapy after the divorce. That Mm. might have been helpful because there was a lot more trauma than just the uh, this incident with my biological father. There was a lot, a lot of trauma. I mean, guns setting fire to a house. Uh, threats of like it's just a whole a lot a whole lot more for than the, for this podcast but there was a lot of trauma and and we didn't talk about it. My mother did the best she could but but her way was have you ever seen have you ever seen the movie read the book the Prince of tides?
0: That would be a long time ago, of course. There's, there's <laughs> a scene
2: where the Nick Nolte character talks about some trauma that their family, and he said the silence was worse than the incident. And in, in our case, there was a lot mm. that happened. And then there was my, my mother was only able to handle so much. And so it, it just it never happened. And we didn't mm-hmm. talk about it for 40 years. And, and it wasn't that she, you know, she did the best she could. The best that is for an adult was it's behind us, move forward. We don't talk about it. And that's all. But I think as a child, I needed to process it and I needed some help. You know, a child who has a really bad flu needs a doctor. I, I had the mental health equivalent of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to know what to compare it to, but I needed some help.
1: Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful quote the silence was worse than the incident because many of us, our parents, most certainly probably our grandparents, we, we did grow up with this, um, basically shit happen. Can't undo it. Go forward. Okay. And sometimes you do what you got to do in the moment. Everybody tries to do the best they can in the moment. I love your compassion towards your mother. And I'm, I'm moved by that as a mother myself but what i hear you saying is that talking about these things acknowledging openly e- and even if openly means me and my son riding in a car and i say something if i say something about whatever the shit is it makes it okay to talk about it mm-hmm. and yeah. that creates an opening
2: it's yeah. an opening one of the things in, in doing the research i um I, I first broached um, with myself the idea of the incident when I was when I was six, about twenty three. And one of the things I have read about again, I'm not an expert, is that it's not uncommon for kids to go through childhood can be you know just traumatic, and you're just trying to get through. And mm-hmm. then like you get through, and you get through college, and then you you end up coming face to face with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think happened with me is I was always, you know, and I I paid my own way through college. And, you know, I, I, so like, it was always, I was so busy, Mm -hmm. busy, busy. Mm -hmm. And then I get out of college and I'm like, oh, I have to now look at myself in the mirror. I'm not running so fast. And that's another opportunity for maybe for some listeners is to say you know there's 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 on-ramps and off-ramps and for me an on-ramp to beginning to address some of this was was after after college and when i started to live an adult life it's never too late
1: it's never too late either and i think that is also an important and powerful message i am sad that you lived with that pain and that shame for so long but I'm glad that you're looking at it now. I'm glad that you are going further in your healing, and that you know you're taking these brave steps. In part, because like you, you're helping yourself, and you know that you talking and sharing is helping others.
2: Which is why I was so honored when you invited me onto this podcast. It, it's scary for me to talk about it, and it's still relatively new. Like, oh my gosh, talking about it with. Uh, you're both so lovely and Jennifer you and I have met but you're basically strangers and your listeners are strangers <laughs> yeah. but but I get to opportunities to get braver and more transparent writing the piece was uh, showing it to the writing group was transparent then sending it off and having you know the folks at Newsweek read it and then they published it and then this award and then posting it you know yeah. on 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 LinkedIn where it it looks like it got about 16,000 reads and mm. so now your listeners and and so there's an the more i transparent i become the more it no longer has power over me mm-hmm. and the more that i'm able to convince myself because i have moments when i believe it and moment when i doubt it that that maybe my pain can be useful for somebody else because then it becomes not something that i have to regret but it becomes something that i get to accept and to say let me use it Let me use it to help other people.
0: Yeah, use it for good. Absolutely. And I can imagine that our listeners are maybe living into their own experience. And as Jen said at the beginning, you know, if this is painful for you, if this is bringing things up for you as you're listening, then seek help. Because as you said, you got to you got to you call the doctor for the flu. You got to get help for this, too.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I've had, a, I've had,
0: <laughs> I've had a lot
2: of mental, <laughs> mental, I mean, a lot of therapists. A lot. There was a point um, where I was kind of being, uh, f- trying to face a lot of this stuff. And I was, I, I had, I had two therapy appointments a week uh, for a long time mm-hmm. because it was a lot. And it was a lot that I'd blocked yeah. out and a lot that to, to try to recapture. So uh, I, I, I couldn't have done, I couldn't have written this piece if I hadn't had a lot of help.
1: From your perspective, what are some things that you think we those of us who are you know actively parenting are actively aunting and unkling uh, you know caregiving educating children and then we collectively as a society what are some things that you think that we can do to create a climate of safety for our boys both to decrease um, the chances of boys being victimized and maybe to increase the probability that that when this happens, that people feel safer disclosing, coming forward, and that we can help people sooner rather than you know, waiting 50 years, 20 years, five.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to recommend to all of your listeners uh, not to wait 50 years to try to reclaim your voice, uh, which was my experience. Like, if you can, but you know, we all we all do things when we're ready. So yeah. I, I wasn't ready until until then. Y- the, your question is is a tough one because I'm not an expert at this, uh, and I don't want to claim to be. I can just tell you what what I would imagine is, um, you know, it, it might have made a difference if. There used to be these things back in the 70s and 80s called, you know, after school specials. And they would be like, they would be these dramas, these hour-long dramas for kids and, and, and tweens. And they would talk about a subject of the day. And it the would be like... girl on the
1: milk carton. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah that's, uh, you know, um, but they would, they would talk about different subjects. But uh, that reminds me that those kind of programs were helpful because they would address things. And then kids were supposed to watch them and then talk about them if parents, let's say that they're watching the news with the kids, or there's a character in a, in a, in a, in a drama or a fiction that, that has that experiences sexual assault, um, parents of, of boys might say, you know, it happens to boys too. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and even so, even if the, the depiction is not, of a boy being sexually assaulted that it can be like you know it happens to boys too it happens to girls and boys and you know not binary folks like it happens and just to say and and if you ever know of anyone that 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 happens to you can come to me to talk to because then it doesn't put the if it happens to you if you know anybody just sort of cracking the door open Mm -hmm. but that's just a supposition of like what i might have liked from my life
1: um I really like that. That's not even just cracking the door open. You know, it's easier, like you said, because it's not as direct if this happens to you. But in saying that you are also conveying your willingness to be a safe person. And it might, it might happen to another kid that your kid knows. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're creating other, other avenues and other opportunities. I think that all of us have a responsibility and a duty, as best we can, to be the village for all of these children.
2: For all the children, and to let children that may have been told by somebody else feel like they can come to an adult. Let me let me just tell you what's going on here. Um, I'm I um I I told someone um, my age about what happened when I was six. And he kept that secret also.
1: Mm. In fact,
2: he kept it for probably about 50 years too. And so I bring that up because he didn't feel that he could talk about it at the time. So if we ask our kids like, hey, and if you know somebody, you can come talk to me, that might allow a child who's been asked to keep a secret uh, either by an adult or maybe by another child to say, mm, yeah, let's 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 let go of the secrets. Come talk to me. That's the kind of secret that does not need to be kept. And it might have opened the door if he had talked to then for me getting the chance to talk.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple yeah. really important things i'm I'm hearing here that I want to make sure we call out and remind people secrets. Talk to your kids, all of your kids, about secrets. It's one thing to be planning a surprise party. It's another thing if somebody's asking you to keep a secret, to keep something from your parents. Uh, our kids need to know there are some secrets you should not keep. There are some secrets it is unhealthy to keep. And so, talking about secrets, um, making sure that our boys know that sexual abuse, sexual assault is something that can happen to boys too. Expressing our willingness to, to be a safe person, to talk about it. Hey, if you know of this happening with anybody, you can tell me taking risks to talk about the tough things and the shit that happens and trauma, even if it's uncomfortable, because if you speak it, then the kids around you know it's okay. And that's a first step towards being able to seek professional support, um, being able to connect with the experts who can help families and individuals through these things. And it's not
0: your fault. It's not your fault.
2: And, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Janet, because for the longest time I thought it was my fault.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And now I'm getting to learn that it wasn't.
0: No, Jen, that was such a good uh, wrap up. G- good bullet points of this conversation, and I know you'll put those in the show notes because that's those are some uh, yeah. really effective. I'm going
1: to um, put in some links to. I, I need to do a little bit of research, but I'll, I'll put in links towards you know hotlines and resources of help and um, support, at least as starting places. Mm-hmm. We do have a massive shortage of healthcare providers, but in every community, um, there are mental health care providers, there are people who work with and help um people who have experienced sexual harassment and assault. So I also encourage listeners to whether you need this information or not right now, just find out what's available in your community. Mm-hmm. Find that out so that you have that information tucked in the back of your head and you can. Share that with others, either just proactively and when need arises. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today, Court. I want to thank you for continually peeling back these layers and sharing your story and your vulnerability with others. It is so scary to do. And it is so powerful because when one individual does that you create space and permission for others to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Court. Thank, thank you, you for having
2: me on the podcast and thank you for giving me another opportunity, another layer, to another opportunity to be brave because <laughs> I don't feel brave, but I appreciate that you had me on your podcast so much.
0: Thank you so much. A powerful conversation with Court, So heartfelt. We really appreciate his willingness to share a difficult story with us so that others can benefit. Thank you for being here. If you feel like this will help someone else, please share. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. And don't forget to get registered for the Executive Function Online Summit with Seth Perler. This is an opportunity for you to learn from experts from around the globe about how to help your son's brain function, executive function. Go to boysalive.com T-E-F-O-S to register, and you can find the early bird pricing there, too. Even though the summit's free, there's a discount on getting all the recordings for your permanent library. boysalive.com T-E-F-O-S